beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We always appreciate that you guys are listening. It means a lot to us. I know it means a lot to the guests too. And so I'm your host today, Dr. Joshua Black, and our co-host today, so Sean and Jade also, they couldn't be here. So just me going solo. So I hope you enjoy this episode. So today we have Shavinder Gaultier, and she's calmly known to her friends and family as Shivy. And she is a celebrity and VIP relations consultant to fashion and lifestyle brands. Originally from London, she located to New York City three and a half years ago, where she continued to further her career in this field. After the passing of her mother, Devinder Kumarin, less than a year ago, Shivy started at Love Lost Light, an Instagram account with the slogan, let's try to understand, help, and heal, with the purpose of helping others navigate through the process of grief with everyday advice versus the psychological and medical advice we are usually exposed to. From decisions about nutrition to the power of smell, these factors have helped her in her journey of grief, and she hopes she may be able to help others in theirs. And that's my hope too. And I've checked out her Instagram account, and it's very beautiful and has really interesting topics of conversation. So hopefully you guys check that out. So Shivi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm extremely excited to be a part of this. So thank you for having me. All right. So it says here you're a celebrity and VIP relations consultant. Did you go to school yes. for that? How did that come about? Did you grow um, up when you were a kid and saying, you know what, mom, I don't want to be a ballerina. I want to be a relations consultant. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I, I've always wanted to um, be, in, I, I've always been quite an artistic and creative person. Um, and I love the art. So I actually studied history of art um, as my bachelor's degree at uni. Um, and then through that, I ended up doing a master's um, on the history and culture of fashion. Um, and that kind of just led me into the world of fashion. And um, I, yeah, I loved it. And then I did about a million internships where I worked crazy hours and got paid zero money. <laughs> And then I was very, very lucky, actually. I got um, my first role, which was by complete coincidence, as a VIP assistant um, at Burberry, actually. And um, that's kind of what started my path. And then from there on, I kind of just worked my my way through different companies and brands. And yeah, definitely not what I thought I'd be doing as a kid. Wow, it's so interesting. What like tips would you have for someone going through that journey? As you said, it's very difficult to get a paying job. Do you have any tips? You know what? Just work hard. Um, mm. Honestly, I, I, I know it sounds cheesy, but um, working hard pays off and just don't give up because honestly, the amount of, uh, you know, companies I emailed, you know, I had no... I had very little experience in the industry, um, but I, I did millions of internships, like I said, because I felt like having that experience was obviously really valuable. And then eventually, I mean, I, I, I was lucky that I got some great internships. And actually my favorite one that I kind of think really helped me was at um, Vogue India, at, but in their London office, because I'm from London. And that was great because it really kind of gave me a great insight into that world. And I just worked 
my butt off basically and I, I that, that's kind of yeah that's the main tip I think I would give give someone looking to go into that industry that's interesting I'm guessing what that did for you probably helped in your grief in the sense of the personality of working hard and persevering some of the struggles because that's really what grief's about too like there are times where you're like this is pointless you know like why am I doing this oh for or, sure you no know? and same thing with the job you said like you're not getting paid and you're just like is this worth it like is this dream I have worth it and 100 percent so glad yeah. it's paying off for you yeah thank you so much um yeah no I would completely agree with that uh, yeah I I I think also the world of fashion is, you know, don't get me wrong, it's glamorous and, um, you know, great fun. There's great events um, and great projects to work on. But like any industry, it also comes with a lot of negatives. And you have to be quite thick skinned to work in this in this industry because you, you kind of you face a lot of hardship as well um, and a lot of critique and, you know, I'm not going to lie, the, the industry is um, it's materialistic at the end of the day. Um, and so, yeah, you've got to be thick-skinned and really stay grounded to be able to work in that industry and not get caught up in all the glamour and, uh, yeah, all of that. And so I think that is definitely something that's helped me through grief because I've managed to stay grounded and, yeah, like you said, just work through it. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, like... You're right. People like glamorize certain jobs and professions, but there's so many struggles within each profession. And for yeah. you to stay grounded, I think it's it's a great it's a great like just tip for anyone is like find a way to stay grounded within any career you're in because it could it could destroy you. And then what you wanted to do and what you love just doesn't become fun anymore, and that's horrifying. You know, like it it'd be like me doing this podcast and hating doing the podcast like <laughs> the worst thing ever yeah. <laughs> you know something that you love and care about so much uh, that and it just it doesn't give you that anymore so I'm glad you're able to stay grounded who who taught you how to do that or how did you figure that out because I know in schools and university that's not it can't be a part of the course content <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's not. It's actually, I mean, it's, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily something you learn. I think it's more about the character, the type of person you are. So I'm pretty sociable. I like going out. I'm good at sort of networking and, you know, making friends in my own time, I guess. And it's kind of part of the job with sort of celebrity relations. It's all about relationship management and keeping those contacts to kind of help elevate brands and so forth and I've always I've been quite good at that and I think as you kind of start within the business you meet people you build those relationships um, and that along with hard work is kind of what you need and then I would say you obviously you know at the end of the day you're selling lifestyle and fashion brands so you've got to be kind of in the know in terms of trends and style so there's an element of creativity you also have to have. And I guess that kind of, I guess that sort of element came from school. I've always been really artistic and a creative person. So that I think mixed in with my, my characters kind of got me to where I am, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and what did your, your parents sort of think? What did your mom think about this career choice? I know like with my dad, he really wanted me to be an elementary school teacher and then mm. after, you know, like now, so he really pushed that throughout my life. And I was actually going to be that until he died. And then that desire fell off. 
and I decided to do this stuff, do research on grief dreams. So for you, like, did was your mom always supportive of the fashion? Was she into fashion? Yes. Like, so my yeah. mom was, yeah, my mom was extremely <laughs> into fashion. She was, she was really creative. So my mom comes from, well, have, I wouldn't say traditional, but she's uh, from a Punjabi family that lived in London. And typically it's kind of a, I don't know, <laughs> I guess there's a sort of tradition with, you know, uh, your daughter or son has to be a doctor or a lawyer or, um, you know, those kind of stereotypical, you know, amazing jobs. But my mum was always, uh, she was so creative. And um, I mean, she, yeah, she was an extremely creative person. So what was really lovely was that she really encouraged me to kind of pursue that you know um she she would paint and draw with me and she actually taught me to to draw when I was a kid um and she would always take me to galleries art exhibitions all of that and so she was really really happy when I sort of yeah I kind of got into this field um plus she got a lot of the benefits because I would get gifted from you know some some nice clothes and accessories every once in a while which she would benefit from <laughs> so I don't think she complained too much but no she she was really really proud of me um and yeah it was it's always lovely to have the support of your parents um and especially my mum so yeah <laughs> wow that's beautiful and I so say like that's that's what we want you know we want our family and our parents to be proud of us and that's so amazing you had that that she was there for you and to give you the encouragement and to encourage you through those tough times, as you said, that there were many. <laughs> exactly. Especially no. not just in school, but also, you know, I said, as you're trying to find, you know, employment, I'm glad she, she was there. No, she really was. And she really did support me emotionally, <laughs> um, you know, physically with lots of hugs. Um, and because, yeah, it was a tough time. It's not like now, you know, now I, I I've, had interns that you know get and not paid a lot but they still get paid <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's a minimum requirement these days and yeah back in the day when I was I was working I was asleep <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just constantly packing boxes and you know like ridiculous sort of menial tasks but um yeah it can be tough but you know like any 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 career it's the same so yeah, she was great. She was she was a real great support. So when you lived, you lived in London, and I guess she, was she from London too? So yeah, she actually um, was born in Nairobi in Kenya, Africa, and I think she was about ten or eleven when her and her family came to London because at the time there were rumours that Idi Amin was going to kick a lot of the Asian communities out of Africa, and so a lot of them fled and. Um, yeah, they ended up in London, um, where my mum basically grew up for the remaining part of her life until her last few years, where she was in in Goa, uh, retire in retirement with my dad. <laughs> um, but yes, London to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she's an interesting life. And so, was it weird for you to move from London to New York City? Like, was that a difficult decision? No, it was my mum as well was really excited for me to, to move. She knew I was, 
you know, I'm from London. Um, I grew up pretty much sort of close to central London. I went to school in London, did my bachelor's, my master's in London. I lived away from home, you know, when I when I, I was at university and but then I started working and interning in London and I never left and I just had this huge desire to, to that I, I, I knew there was something more I had to give. I, I it's a weird it's a weird feeling and um anyway I came to New York and I loved New York and I fell in love with it and I said, Okay, I'm gonna move here and you know, just was really lucky that um I had the opportunity to do that. And yeah, my mum was so happy that I did that and she was she'd never been to America before. Actually neither of my parents had. So visiting me for the first time was like so exciting for her. And yeah, no, she loved it. So it was yeah, it was sad. It was sad to uh leave her. Um, but then she had her own adventure with my dad <coughs> going to Goa. Um, so it kind of all worked out lovely and nicely. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, so that's, yeah, I remember when I like even just moved away, I was in the same town, but even just like moving away from my mom, she started crying, right? <laughs> so, oh, the, I mean, my mom cried. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, I think it was happy tears as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she got to visit you. That's got to be a really beautiful memory to have um, because she passed, I'm guessing, soon after that, right? Yeah, she, I mean, it was, I was quite lucky. She visited me a couple times um, and she actually stayed, her and my dad both stayed with me for a few weeks. I think they came each each trip, which is really lovely. And yeah, it was the, well, actually, the, you know what, the, 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 the sad thing in a way was that we had actually planned, we, I hadn't actually seen her for about nine months, something like that, um, because we were supposed to all have a family holiday in uh, Malaysia, where my dad's originally from. And she actually passed a few months before that trip, um, because we've been waiting to to see each other all that time um so it was yeah it was sad but it kind of I, the last time i did see her she was in new york and i remember saying goodbye to her and her and my dad left in the taxi and i came back to to my apartment and i just burst into tears and i was just so sad and I remember, th- I do remember thinking it's quite odd that I cried as much as I did. Or oh, I even cried, <laughs> you know. Um, I've, you know, I, I've, I hadn't done that before, actually. She's always the one that was crying, but I hadn't. And so I always remember, re- I really remember that feeling when when they left. And it's funny, now I look back and I, I, I sort of think, I'm like, I don't, you know, did I, or did my subconscious, I know it sounds a bit crazy, did my subconscious in some weird way know, know that that was the last time I would see her? And yeah, I think back to that often, actually. But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think about because something happened there and we mm. we don't we don't know, but something happened that was different from the other. And, and because she died, it, you know, all we can do is sort of like theorize, but yeah, you know, human life is very interesting. And that's when we come to these dreams, we find that even more so 
about what happens and the dreams people have and sometimes the events they predict or that the deceased helps with advice and certain things. So yeah, like this life is still, you know, as I talk to more and more people, it just becomes more and more mysterious. And I just sit in that mystery, you know, of it all. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm not smart enough to understand it all. <laughs> and we don't have the tools and like the scientific community to understand it, but all you can do is sort of sit with that. Um, and so I'm curious, so how did you tell, go through like, so that day of, you know, them, I'm guessing they called you and, and told you that she died. Yeah. So, so it was, a fu- it was, I was at the beach all day. Um, and I was with some friends and had a really fun day at the beach. And I hadn't spoken to her. So I normally spoke to her almost every day, actually. It was kind of a routine. I would get up. I would have my matcha latte. <laughs> this is very New York, I know. Um, I'd have my matcha latte on my cup of tea, which is a bit more British. And I would call my mum. And usually on the weekends, just because we were both out and stuff we spoke maybe once uh rather than every day and I so I I don't think I'd spoken to her for a couple of days uh and then I went to the beach and I came back and I usually never have my phone on phone on silent and I always normally have my phone sort of sitting next to my bed uh screen up but for some reason I decided to turn my phone on silent and put my phone face down so I wouldn't see the light basically if it, if it did go off and I, I I just remember thinking you know what I just really I needed a good night's sleep and that's all I that was what I was thinking I was like, I need a good night's sleep I'm just going to put my phone down and that's it and in the morning my husband well, he normally gets up super super early um He's one of those crazy early early risers. And it was, I want to say about 5 or 6 a.m. And I could hear him on the phone. And I heard him say my dad's name. And I immediately woke up. And I, I, knew, I just knew something had, had, um, had happened. And... Another reason, because which I'll sort of go on to later, is when I woke up, it was very similar to a dream I had had about a week before that, which I'll explain later. <laughs> so I, I basically, I just knew something had happened. And my husband came in with the phone and his I could tell his face was extremely worried. And he said, Shivy, you need to you need to take the phone, you need to speak to your dad. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to speak to him because I, I knew, you know, I was like, I, I, God. And I said, no, I don't want to speak to him. And he said, Shivy, you have to, you have to take the phone, he has to talk to you. And so I took the phone and I mean, it's just, it was honest, uh, that I think is one of the hardest, um, moments I will I, I've ever I've ever experienced because my dad was you know obviously in tears and um you know he just kept saying that he was sorry he was just like I'm so sorry and you know she's gone and it was completely out of the blue because my mum wasn't ill 
or we didn't know, you know, we didn't know anything. It was completely unexpected. And I just didn't believe it. And I, I kept saying to him, no, um, like how, what's happened? And and then because I could feel his pain so much, it's weird. I didn't know. I just kind of got into sort of strong shitty mode. <laughs> and I was like, dad, don't worry. It's fine. I'm going to be there. I'm going to get on a plane now. Just wait there. Like, you know. I'm I don't know I just kind of I I, I felt like at that point I then needed to be a comfort to him and all I kept thinking about is this dream that I had because it basically reflected a dream that I had about a week before that and I kept saying to him dad this is like my dream this is like my dream it was all that was coming out um anyway got off the phone and he he said, you know, you need to speak to your brother. So what had happened was they had tried to call me because of the time difference. My brother's based in China. Um, my dad's in, in Goa. So they're ahead of me in time. Um, and so they had tried to call me not long after I had actually put my phone down the night before and had been trying me all night. But obviously I put my phone on silent and, I, you know, I, I, I we didn't see it. Um, and so it was only in the morning, obviously, Jake, my husband, was the first person to wake up. So he obviously saw saw the calls. And I think back to that, and I can't help but think that my mum just, <laughs> my mum almost wanted me to not find out then and there. And she, or I, I know it sounds a bit bizarre, but I almost feel like she wanted me to have a good night's sleep and then wake up and deal with it. It sounds so weird, but that is just the kind of thing she would do anyway. She wouldn't, she'd leave telling me and my brother things until the morning. (laughs) So we'd, you know, get a good night's sleep or, you know, get some rest. And then, and then, yeah, after that, it was a bit of a roller coaster because we had to get emergency visas to India. Um, and so I ended up going to the Indian embassy in New York that day, which was a nightmare. Um, and doing a whole load of like administ you know, admin things that you know you shouldn't be doing. But I just just did it. And and then eventually after a whole load of crazy things that were happening, managed to get my visa through and we flew the next day. To, to Goa and God that was a bit of a nightmare journey as well but that's a, that's another story for another time <laughs> yeah and that that was it really wow like you I'm listening <laughs> to the story and it's like the amount of work you needed to do just to go home and you mm. just want to cry you just want to like you know be with your family and and more and then there's so many things it was just causing more stress, causing more complications. And it's hard to also grieve while you're trying to, you know, on a plane or you know, trying to get the papers, you know, like, yeah, I'm guessing you suppressed a lot of that to try to just get, get through and get there. Yeah. Um, I, I initially, obviously, I mean, I was, I was pretty hysterically crying. I was, you know, beyond, I was, you know, that the pain was, I can't even describe and I but then you just go into this crazy sort of I don't I can't you know I can't even explain it because it's such it's still such a blur but I remember it really clearly that day particularly just because 
yeah, I had to get into strong mode for my for my dad and also my brother who was in China at the time and he was in the middle of China and the only place he had internet was a Starbucks cafe and so he was just sitting in a in a random Starbucks just trying to hold it together to be on the phone to me and he similarly had to do he was trying to get visas to go to India from China and uh, it was crazy and I, I was really lucky I had the help of my friends and obviously my husband Jake and a really good friend of mine Michael who had actually also lost his mum about nine months before I think who just kind of both came in and just saved the day really and sort of helped me but yeah the journey to Goa was pretty crazy because I mean I'll just give you an example we got on the flight finally and we were sat on the tarmac for five hours because a storm all of a sudden just just literally occurred over us. So we were sat on the tarmac for five hours and therefore the flight was delayed. So we obviously missed our connecting flight. And then there wasn't a connecting flight. So they had to, you know, the, this airline was trying to find, put us onto another flight. To this day, I couldn't even tell you where I were connected. I, I, I think it was Doha. I have no idea because I was in such a blur by this point. I have no idea what country I was in. <laughs> I just was kind of going with the flow. Then they lost my luggage, which I didn't get for a week or so. And But, you know, in that moment, I, didn't ca- I did not care. I could, I just did not care you know my main goal was to just be with my dad and what was funny was I just felt like so many things were kind of going wrong and I didn't understand it and then it was only the day of mum's funeral which we she had a cremation which we did in in Goa and then weirdly enough the morning of the funeral my suitcase appeared on outside the front door in of this place in the middle of India (laughs) And honestly, this never happens. <laughs> this never happens. But it was kind of a bit of a miracle. And so I had clothes to wear for the funeral, which I thought I, I, I didn't have. And, and then everything all of a sudden just kind of was started going okay. <laughs> um, but yes, it was, it was yeah, I, I did suppress a lot of emotions during that time. Um, but it had to be done. <laughs> wow, that's a crazy story. <laughs> yeah. Wow, like, I'm just trying to think. Like, even if like I wasn't grieving, I was on the tarmac for five hours. You know, like people oh, go God, yeah. crazy. <laughs> I've heard stories just on reading like newspapers and stuff how people um, kind of go insane in those situations. So, like, for you to be grieving and trying to get somewhere really like fast and not be able to go like that's yeah i can't imagine sort of that that suffering that you're you're under but i'm glad you end up getting there and like yeah what a what a beautiful ending to a story that your luggage appears right before <laughs> you know like <laughs> <laughs> um so how was the funeral like for you like was there was it i'm guessing it was kind of small um yeah yeah it was it wasn't so initially i was actually on sure 
it's unsure. It's I felt uncomfortable with the fact that we were doing the funeral in Goa initially, because even though Mum lived there, it just didn't feel quite right at the time. But it's weird how quickly that changed. So there was a there was a few things. The in India, the the morgues, um, it, it's not sort of. It's not, uh, how can I put it? It's not sort of fashioned in a way like it is in America or or England in the sense that it's pretty raw. I mean, I'll just give you an example. When I was, we got to, it, it is literally a morgue. <laughs> um, and we arrived the morning of the funeral and, there were just other they were just they had literally just trolleys of bodies going in and out and it's in the middle of this sort of jungle sort of space and it's very um pretty raw and i was really upset that mum's mum was there <laughs> but that's all you know that's the only way where she, place she could be you know because she was in india and just it's just you know it, this is normal um this is normal you know in india and that's and that's fine but i just i think because i wasn't used to it i think coming from quite a western culture i i was sort of yeah kind of initially initially uncomfortable with it um but then when so in the indian, indian tradition as well um the women uh, dress the body so the women that are sort of close to um, the lady that's passed um, and so my aunts two, my mum's two sisters were there so um, I you know I was really grateful that they did that I, I was definitely that morning not feeling great <laughs> and I, I didn't feel like I, I could do it and I knew that my mum wouldn't have wanted me to to dress it either because growing up she was all, she always kept me away from funerals and was always like you don't have to you don't have to go you don't have to you know and so I I I I didn't but my two aunts dressed her and when they called me and they say look you can come and see her now and what was crazy as soon as I saw her. I just had this feeling of complete calm. And then everything from then on was just completely calm and actually quite beautiful. Um, and I'll explain that because, so the other thing was the cremation is not, again, like in, I guess, Western culture where, you know, the coffin sort of goes into a little, I mean, I don't, I don't know if normally, um, my when my grandmother passed a few years ago you kind of just you just saw it kind of go into a little room um and that was it um whereas in india they do open fires and so my dad told us that this was going to happen and i think this had also was part of the the build-up that i was not looking forward to and so me and you know we all sort of discussed before we said you know well We'll go there initially, and we don't need to watch anything. And 
but the crazy thing was we so we did the um so I'm going back and forth with the story. <laughs> we I saw her at the morgue, then we took traditionally you take you take the body to the house where we did some um prayers. Um and a few their friends came um and then obviously my aunt my aunts and my uncle who had flown over were also there. And then we went to the crematorium, which is literally just an open space in this sort of jungle. And we continued doing some prayers. And what was actually really interesting is my mum loved, my mum was a very spiritual person. So she wasn't very much religious, very spiritual. But there was one prayer, she was brought up as a Sikh. And there was one prayer she she really loved. And it, weirdly, the the guys that were kind of leading the prayers started singing this one prayer that she loved completely coincidentally and it was almost like a chant and the more and more they did it sort of all of the friends and family started singing this and it was really really powerful and my mum really I've always remember my mum saying she liked it because she was very spiritual so she believed in chakras and she always said that the vibrations of this particular chant reached all of your chakras and it was a very spiritual thing that she she loved and yeah it was coincidence they were kind of um singing this prayer and then do you know what it was mm, called it it was is satnam and i couldn't actually tell you the exact what that means but it was satnam is what it was and i believe in it's, I mean, it's obviously a Sikh prayer, but I know it's used um, in other cultures as well, that particular phrase, um, because I think it, there's something about, I think like when you say om, how om, people say it because as, as far as I believe, and I might be wrong here, but my kind of interpretation is that it's it, causes a vibration in your body which stimulates your chakras and satnam has a similar a, a sort of similar meaning behind it so it was quite it was quite bizarre that that happened but then um but also really powerful and that's all i can i can really say i i'm not not a religious i'm a very spiritual but not a religious person and you really felt an energy when everyone was chanting this mm. and it wasn't even a chant it was it was it's almost like um just a little prayer i don't know but yeah it felt really really powerful and then yeah. what we'll do is we'll put a link yeah. to maybe i'm guessing there's a youtube video of that prayer so we'll put a link yeah to so people that'd can be, hear yeah, it that'd be yeah. great yeah and then we made our way to the crematorium which like I said was in a sort of open jungle space and I was really nervous about it because essentially it was just a load of wood a pile of wood and the coffin is placed on the wood and then set alight and you're not really exposed to that in sort of most western cultures you're not exposed to sort of seeing that but it was a weirdly a really beautiful experience and the only way I can describe why is because like I said my mum was very spiritual 
um, but she loved nature. And there was something really raw but grounding and beautiful and natural and how it should be. It felt very right for mum at the time and I, I can't say much more than that. And so we actually all sat and just and watched this fire burn for however long it was. I I, I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> and because we felt like we wanted to be with her during that time. And it was really powerful and it was crazy because you had the fire burning. It rained a bit as well, which is very auspicious in the Indian culture. <laughs> and the wind was creating these, the ash, like the ashes from the, the fire with the wind were creating these like incredible shapes on the floor. And it just, there was something really very sort of, yeah, like grounding and at one with nature. I can't really explain it. And the crazy thing was, as the fire was dying down, me and myself and Jake were walking back towards the sort of the car. And all of a sudden, this huge, huge, like banyan tree in the distance just snapped in half. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it it was crazy. Because everyone just sort of, and it made this huge noise and all of these birds and just sort of flew over us and the, the noises of these animals around us just was so insane that every single person there, including the guys that worked at the crematorium, everyone just looked at each other in sort of disbelief, like, sorry, did that just happen? This huge tree just snapped in half. (laughs) That never happens. And it just, there was this really powerful feeling of nature um, that we all felt at the time. And it was somewhat comforting. And it almost, I, I, I could almost, you know, feel we could that was a sign of some sort and we could we felt like we could feel mum in nature or just around us and to me that was really really beautiful and um I'm really happy everything happened the way it did wow that's uh that is beautiful and you're right like there's moments yeah you hear I hear it often there are these moments during a ceremony that people have a feeling that the mm. loved one's there and it gives them great comfort, right? Like it's, there's more to the story almost and it keeps them, I say grounded and for the, before the, the animals to be there and for just like the little rain, the wind, like I can't, that's such a, the imagery is so beautiful and how you described it because in, yeah, in Western culture, even with my dad's, he just, you know, you're, you're at a church or you put him in the ground and that's it. But what you're describing is so much more, I don't know, it's more grounding or maybe a little more beautiful in the sense of the process of life and death, mm. you know, like being it, in nature and, and all that, you know, it seems like it's a cycle of life almost, right? That, you know, <laughs> Lion King. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that know, movie. And to see, to see the, the body and the casket burn, is different because I know a lot of people who come on, they say they just get the ashes come to them sometimes in the mail 
or in the funeral home kind of thing. And they don't actually see it. And so for you to actually be there when it happens, that's, uh, you know, that's its own, has its own beauty to it. Um, yeah. So, so wow. Yeah. That's a, it's a very, I said like beautiful story, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's one that you'll never forget, which is, I, you know, I win. yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just so magical in its own way. A hundred percent. I think that's the way to describe it is definitely magical. And, you know, I, I always kind of have this joke that mum is mother nature. <laughs> um, and then it just, it was weird how, it, that happened because I kind of really felt like she was almost and yeah no it was yeah it was beautiful and magical and I yeah it have everything happened for a reason I believe mm. I'm really there is one thing I'm curious about that dream that mm. you uh teased us about <laughs> that oh, <you> yeah. had. <laughs> what was that like could you just go through that dream like, I'm really curious yeah so um about so yeah, about a week before my mum passed, I had a dream that she passed. And I can't tell you, I, I honestly don't remember sort of much about the dream itself in terms of the physical things that happened in the dream. It was more the feeling I remember because I felt that, I really felt like I could feel the feelings I was feeling in the dream. And it was an insane amount of pain and it's it's um the feeling of after the dream is the feeling my mum had passed and the pain I was experiencing after her passing and it really hurt and part of the dream was also waking up to hearing of her passing and it was kind of like an, in, you know, I, I can't remember a lot more about it, but it was enough that I woke up and I was so relieved that it didn't happen. And I was just, I couldn't stop thinking about it um, because it, I, I felt a bit uneasy, but I was like so relieved. I was like, it was, it was just a dream. And then I, I spoke to my mum later that day and I, said oh by the way mum before I forget I had this dream and you you passed away in it and she just paused and she said you know maybe it's my rebirth and I was like what (laughs) and she what are you on about Uh, and she said no maybe it's my rebirth because she had had quite an emotional couple of weeks just before that like I said, she's very spiritual. She practiced Reiki. She was a master of Reiki, so she practiced that a lot. And my mum in her sort of past had experienced a lot of, uh, you know, like trauma, I guess, and the passing of her own mother, a lot of family pain as well. And she was sort of, she's very, she's always very sensitive. She was a cancer sign which I think is means she was also quite sensitive (laughs) I think that's a trait of cancers and she yeah she had a she had a tough couple of weeks she she really felt like she was dealing with a lot of past issues in her life and but she felt like she had come out of them and she had really put them to bed and so when I told her I said oh I 
I obviously dreamt of you passing, she said maybe it was the re- a rebirth because she had dealt with a lot of issues that she had um, been facing and felt really good about the future. And yeah, she. But it was just very weird. I really think back to that conversation because I rem I remember it so clearly because I was walking through the door with my groceries, <laughs> putting them down, and I thought, oh, by the way, before I forget, I have to tell you this dream. And just her, I didn't expect her reaction, and so it really sort of stuck with me. And then, and then about I think it was less than a week later, how I woke up was exactly how. I woke up in my dream <laughs> and like the sun, how it sort of shines. The, my, the sun uh, in the room only shines through a particular window at a certain time of the morning, which is really early in the morning. And in my dream, it was shining through just like it did when I, the, the morning I actually found out. And so for me, that's just not a coincidence. <laughs> you know, I I have had dreams before where, you know, there is some truth to it and I've kind of thought, okay, I don't, I, I don't know. I've, just, I've not really thought much more into it. But after that dream, I, and I still feel so strongly that that was not a coincidence and I dreamt that for a reason. And I don't know what that reason is and I don't know why I dreamt that but my mum wasn't unwell she it wasn't this it was completely unexpected so for me to dream that a week before it actually happened there must be more to it I just don't know what that is (laughs) and so since I really pay attention to my dreams (laughs) wow that's so interesting so it actually helped you value dreams a little bit more yeah I wonder too because I've I've heard this from multiple people I haven't heard people that had dreams of their deceased love loved one coming to mm-hmm. them, basically saying goodbye. And then they wake up and the person unexpectedly has died in the night. And so there's these there's different things oh, that wow. yeah, different things that occur. Even though I said the precog dreams of death, like this is throughout, you know, you hear this throughout any kind of religion. Um, it's in the scriptures that this this occurs and so you like Mm -hmm. it makes you wonder a little bit too about like so the the planning of things and when things occur and what's actually going on like do we have a sense like uh is there just a sense of maybe something's going to go on but yeah it's wild Mm. you had that and i think it's even crazier that you told your mom about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) someone may have said oh them you know maybe i am going to die and they like they uh they freak out but Mm. uh she didn't go there maybe she did you just no. don't know about it right like yeah if she you know like if someone told me that I would ponder my own mortality a little bit and yeah. say am I ready yeah. to die like is there anything else I need to do or left unsaid and if not then cool I'm gonna continue doing what I'm doing but yeah I wonder you know like if it's just for you to value dreams more is it for you to sort of understand that there's more to this this life i don't I think, know i think yeah. i uh, the way i have interpreted it is that there's definitely something more to life than we know it and to not take things black and white um like it's definitely opened my eyes into spirituality in, in a sense but also yeah just not take things black and white like we have so much science and we're so advanced in so many ways but we're also so 
behind in a lot. Not, I wouldn't even say behind, but we're so ignorant to a lot of things. You know, we're we're these we're people sitting in a in a sphere in the middle of a universe that we we don't even know what's out there. You know, and to just say it was a coincidence is the easy answer. Um, and for me, it's, yeah, not seeing things in black and white and being open-minded to different interpretations, different, different things. And it's, I think that's definitely given me a new approach in life as well. Um, you know, in terms of I've always been a good, I would like to think I've always been a good listener, um, and a people person, but I've really, I'm really interested in hearing other people's takes on life or you know whatever it is I feel like there's more yeah there's more to just what we know and to answer your question about my mum you know did she freak out or the funny thing is that she was so calm when she said it and I truly believe she thought she was having a rebirth in some sense and in a way she was I guess you know she she kind of dealt with a lot of past yeah, trauma, I would I would say. And she was finally at a good place. And so maybe in some weird way that, yeah, she was having a rebirth of thoughts. And an interesting thing is she always said to me, she always said to me, she's like, look, when it's my time to go, just know that, be at peace to know that it was my time and I was ready. Mm. And what was really interesting, the doctor, the doctor that, you know, was with her at the time of her passing said to my dad I've never seen somebody or been with somebody who was so ready to go like she was like so at peace about going she was so she was very calm about it and I I don't I think in some weird way I I, I don't know I I it was I think it was her time I just don't know <laughs> the rest of it. Like why I had, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm still trying to figure out, figure that out, and maybe I never will. But yeah, I feel all of those sort of things give me a bit of peace, I guess. Mm. I think that's the the beauty of it, right? Is to to think about stuff in in a, in a form that it can help you understand a little bit more, and then reduce some of the biases you do have. To sit in that gray area a little bit and be okay in that gray area. So like, yeah, are not black and white. And same thing with me, like dreams have taught me a lot of that too, of sitting in the gray. Like we don't know, we don't know really anything about, not much about dreams in general. We don't really know, we know some stuff about sleep, but there's so many more mysteries, even to the human body. And we're trying to, we don't even understand like the human body, like how are we going to understand life, the universe yeah. and all that, right? There's so many unanswered questions, but I think it's great that your mom was at peace. Like she was she was ready to go in the sense. Yeah, yeah. I wish that upon myself, you know, when my time comes that I am ready. You know, that, yeah. that seems beautiful to me is to be able to live yeah. a life and be able to let it go when it happens, to not like cling to it. Um, for sure, for yeah. sure. A hundred percent. I can agree with you more. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your Instagram since. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you started that off and you're trying to make yeah. a difference world before you pass <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you can go um very calm and, and peaceful yeah for sure <laughs> so why why did you start this so what's the what's the point of uh the instagram page love loss and light yeah so i so i guess you know i 
obviously work in the world of fashion, um, which, like I said, is, you know, I've really enjoyed. But um, I think definitely, I think for a long time now, it's, I don't know whether it's kind of, it had been necessarily uh, fulfilling me the way it used to. Um, I think that had, you know, that's come with me growing up a lot. And, you know, my interests and things sort of changing as I, as I, got older and I was I've always just loved loved helping people and volunteering and I've done sort of a lot of charity work in the past and I, I loved it and I but I always found myself back into fashion <laughs> you know at the end of the day you've got to pay bills and <laughs> I've always kind of had to end up doing that which you know it was I never complained about because I loved it but I think definitely after my mum passed I really felt a need to do something more than I was doing. And I just, I actually was doing a sound bath meditation and which I kind of just, I actually started doing in, I took a couple of months off, which I was lucky to do and uh, traveled around Asia and did a couple of sound bath meditations there, which really, really changed my life. Um, I had kind of some crazy experiences um, there, <laughs> um, but also I just think it's a great way to to relax your mind and your body. If you find it difficult to meditate and take that time out of your day, which I always found really difficult. So doing the sound meditation gave me some focus. And during that, I just had this idea. <laughs> and my idea was that I wanted to help people going and experiencing grief, but help them in sort of the everyday ways that people don't talk about. I think, you know, there's countless books on, on, on grief and, you know, what a, how you cope with grief and um, the science behind it and the psychological aspects of it. There were everyday things that I felt like, and I'm no expert either. <laughs> you know, I'm not sort of claiming to be an expert at all. But there are little things that definitely helped me and I know have helped friends that I kind of just thought would be nice to put out there for people that are going through the same thing to kind of read about and maybe help them. And it might not help them, but... You know, my whole idea was that if it helps one person, well, I've kind of done my job. And these are just, you know, completely varying things. I mean, one recent post I did was about the effects of caffeine and alcohol. You know, they actually overstimulate your body sometimes, causing anxiety. And anxiety is it's a, something that a lot of people face these days, but especially through grief, it can feel quite overwhelming. So little tips like that I've kind of provided, you know, just to kind of maybe cut those down a little bit, just to help your 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 state of calmness every day. Things like the power of smell, how certain essential oils can help you, or, you know, smells that kind of, provide a level of nostalgia it's just yeah everyday little things it's not medical advice it's not it's nothing official it's just little tips here and there that I found really useful 
and so far I've you know I'm still sort of starting out with this but I've received some really really incredible heartfelt messages from from strangers <laughs> which is also amazing because I kind of <laughs> just expected some of my friends to follow it but um I've had some incredible messages that have already meant so much that certain posts have helped have helped people in in their in their journey and yeah I'm just going to continue working on it and yeah I hope it continues to help people <laughs> no that's good I think it you know like doing something and trying to help the world as you're, you're trying to do I think that's beautiful and with grief it, you realize you know once you go through it you sort of realize the the horror of it and like what you kind of wish you know people would have said to you and how they how they could support you and you're just trying to do that for for people on their own journey because it is can be very lonely and yeah. i'm guessing you know i know in my grief and a lot of people who've come on they say you know there's some friends that are there and they really support you but then there's other people that don't and so you can mm -hmm. be very you can feel very lonely at the end and these posts can actually help people feel connected again and that's why I really love what you're doing. And I, I checked out, I, you know, I read them all and I really, I like it. <laughs> I really do. I, it has its own <laughs> unique you. flair because like I said, like there's other things out there, like, you know, for like ours, like we sort of focus on the dreams and then like everyday, like motivational quotes and kind of stuff like that. But I like mm -hmm. what you do. It's like, you actually go, you tell a story of your life and, and mm -hmm. why you're saying what you're saying. And then you're giving people just another thing to think about when it comes to their grief that they probably may not have. Because I know like when, when you talked about the power of smell and you talked about, mm. you know, your mom being in aromatherapy and stuff, I'm like, wow, like that's, that's interesting to me because like mm. my dad never really had a smell per se. Um, he didn't have mm -hmm. like a cologne or anything like that. But, you know, like people do, people wear, have, have a certain scent to them. And I can only imagine like when they maybe smell that at a store, like what, what memories come to mind? And, yeah and how difficult that could be if you're not expecting it a hundred percent it's um it was even like the other day I was in a store actually and um I was walking past the perfume counter and I just smelt my mum but from a different time in her life and I kind of it really the smell it was, it was kind of crazy the power of that scent what that did to me uh, and this nostalgic feeling it created inside of me and the memories it kind of formed in my head and I went back and I it was a lady just spraying some perfume <laughs> and um, it was it was a, a, a Calvin Klein eternity perfume which my mum wore for a few years when I was younger of her life um she experimented a few times <laughs> um and that was just one that was one I really remembered because I remember and I remembered the year like I was I was really little but she wore it yeah for for a few years especially in the summer and it really just took me back and I thought gosh that is so powerful and it was honestly just really made my day because I was just taken back and I felt I had like so much comfort from this smell and I have loads of 
friends that have kind of experienced similar similar sort of things and I yeah I felt like it was just it was just something that I hadn't personally read about um or seen but it's little things like that that I just wanted to share with with people you know because I think there are little things that we can do to help our journey and little things that we're unaware of that can help so yeah I'm just kind of (laughs) being a small voice (laughs) kind of um yeah yeah try and help that's that's all that's all hey it's more than most people you know do so you know you're taking your story and you're you're sharing it and you're being vulnerable and sharing it to the world and i think you know people yeah. will, people will find it people are, will be drawn towards it because the stuff is real and you know real stuff is hard to find a lot especially on instagram <laughs> so yeah oh i know <laughs> i know and i think that's what i was saying it's, um you know i think coming from the world of fashion it's um you know it has its its positives but yeah i i wanted to do something that had a little bit more substance and being vulnerable and kind of putting myself out there with the post as well has been challenging, but also really therapeutic. So yeah, I just hope that people, yeah, like you, I hope people like reading them and um, yeah, it helps a few people at least, you know, least. that's all I can hope for. <laughs> and, you, and it's already half, right? So your job is done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's just all a bonus and so it's amazing to to get that right from feedback from strangers and more and more people will come and just say wow you know like thank you and i think you know like with me doing the research that i do that was something that i was taken back by because in academia no one cares really what you do <laughs> and so yeah. and you know like they want they want to know if you're gonna get paid for participating <laughs> that's what they care about <laughs> yeah. um, but no for the like for the grief dream stuff people are like they thank they thank me for it I'm like wow you know like I never thought but it made me feel really good that like what I was doing is valuable and that meant something to me and I guess the same thing for you is like this means something because there are people out yeah. there that are reaching out and saying thank you to this perfect stranger right because your friends did it it's not the same it's the strangers that it really exactly. changes changes how you view it and I why I like the power of smell too because um, I can only imagine there are people out there that maybe they lose a spouse or something that mm-hmm. one reason why they don't want to get rid of the clothes or maybe wash the sheets is because they're going to lose the smell of the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it just made me really think of all these different areas in people's life that we don't talk about. And I, you know, personally, I have never really heard much about that, mm-hmm. but just because I never had that with my father either. So, but you have, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. So I wonder um, if your dreams have, you know, that within it too, because there's some people who do say, um, with dreams that they have their, their deceased loved ones, that there is a smell sometimes that that's a, a part of the image. Does that ever happen to you or no? Um, I wouldn't say, I think, I don't think, I don't think necessarily with my dreams that smell has been a part of has been a part of my dreams. I wouldn't say that. I think my dreams so far are definitely more a feeling. Like the one I had of my, you know, like the one I was explaining about that I had of my mum passing before she passed. That was 
more about like the feeling I had that it really sort of hit the core of me and I woke up and I could feel what I was feeling in the dream and that I think has kind of been the biggest I guess sensory takeaway from from my dreams rather than a sense of smell but it's really interesting that yeah there's you know people have a connection between smells and dreams that to me sounds really yeah really interesting and so have you had like your own dreams of your mom since she's passed yeah i've actually had a few and they've been they've been completely different different actually but then saying there's been one similarity with most of the dreams has been the the most recent dreams I've had of her, um, she's wearing white in them, wearing white, and she's a slightly younger version of herself, and she looks really happy, just really really happy. And the last dream I had of her, she's hugging me, and actually I had this dream a few nights ago, so it's kind of, I guess, a bit more sort of vivid in my memory, but she's. I am walking through like an airport gate and she's waiting for me with my dad, but I can't really sort of notice my dad as much. I know he's there, I just can't really see him. But I really, I'm looking at my mum's face and she's probably about 10 or 20 years younger than, I would say, yeah, 20 years younger than maybe what, you know, when she passed. And she's wearing white. She looks very glamorous. <laughs> and she's got really, uh, like a, she's, I think she's got a blow dry actually. So <laughs> went all out. And she's just really happy and she's hugging me and she's telling me how much she's, mi- she's missed me and, you know, how it's been so long since we've seen each other. But I woke up and I, I really, that feeling of just like relief and comfort and happiness and love, I just woke up feeling. And almost, not that I had forgotten, you know, not that I had forgotten what it's like to sort of be with my mum, but a little bit, I guess I'd kind of, I've, I've pushed it to the side a little bit and I really woke up remembering that. And, you know, I felt, I, you know, I felt quite sad because, it was sort of yeah just a reminder but I also felt like so much comfort with that as well and yeah I've had like so yeah numerous dreams I've had of her my mum's wearing white and I I feel like that's symbolic in some way but I I don't know how (laughs) did she ever wear Um, white like was that like a common yeah I mean she yeah no she definitely did I mean she loved she always wore sort of white linen shirts um and so in numerous uh, dreams, she's wearing something similar. But then, you know, in again, in the Indian tradition, you wear white to funerals. So red and like lots of color are usually the, the colors you wear at weddings, unlike sort of, you know, Western dress, which is a white dress. And white you wear at funerals. But I think there's, you know, similarly with the Western culture, there's this idea of purity, with with the symbolism of white I don't know <laughs> you know I don't know but there's some there's almost something comforting about the fact that she's always wearing white in my dreams so 
yeah, it, it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Source of comfort. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see the details that stay the same and, and some that change and even her being younger, I think is really interesting because it is like something that is common, but some people it's like the, who they are when they've died. Like that's the age that they're always mm. at. And so it's nice how she's younger and healthier. So she's like the best version of herself yes. in front of exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's like, I think, yeah, that's definitely also a theme is most of the dreams I have had of her, she is her younger self. And she's full of health and vitality and just energy and, and happiness. And she just has this gorgeous, gorgeous smile. And that's like, I think, you know, that's the version of how I almost remember. And yeah, I'm just, yeah. And then there was... So that was sort of one of the yeah more recent dreams that I had, and that I think the first dream I had of Mum after she passed was really interesting. It was we were in my my uh, my old, my grandmother's old house, and I was in the corridor, and my dad was in the living room, sort of talking to people, entertaining. And I'm, I'm standing in the corridor looking at him and my mum starts walking past me wearing white again, holding a plate of roti. So like, but like, um, it's, it was a particular roti that I really liked, which is an Indian flatbread and it's stuffed with potatoes. <laughs> and it was delicious because you have it with lots of butter. And it's, yeah, it's really bad for you, but really good. <laughs> And she's holding this plate, and I'm really—I'm obviously aware that she sh she shouldn't be there. Like she's she's gone, but I'm like, Mum, oh my God! And I'm looking at her, and she's look at she's her she's firstly she's saying she said, oh, I just want to feed you guys. Um, that's why she's carrying the roti she's like I just I, she's like I need to feed you how are you going to eat and that what was funny about that is she would always say that to me I'm 32 okay so I can I can definitely feed myself but you know up until she she passed she would always feel so guilty that she couldn't cook for me and I was like you're I would say to her she's ridiculous because I'm more than capable of cooking you know I'm, I'm an alright cook but she just had this motherly guilt where she just felt like she should always be giving to me and my brother so there was a symbolism of that in the dream and then she was sort of fixated at my dad so she walks into the room in the dream and she goes to my dad and they talk or she does something for him it gives him the food and then she kind of steps out again and she's just then she just stands in the corridor just watching him through the door and what was interesting is no one else in the dream all the people that are in the living room can't see her it's just my dad that can see her and she yeah and she just watches him and she's saying complaining to me she's like oh he spilt something on his shirt <laughs> and I don't know it was just it was a really bizarre dream but again provided me with some comfort in some way because I felt like it was a symbolic that she was sort of still watching over my dad and yeah that that was the f yeah first dream I had after she passed 
Wow, that's a it's a very interesting dream because you're right. Like mm. we don't really know sometimes what we need as as we're we move through the grief process. But at that time, there's probably something about worrying about your dad. You know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's going to happen because you got to fly back sooner or later. You know, mm-hmm. and you know he's going to be you know with himself and almost like it, it definitely. I don't know. I could see it, like it provides comfort and to know that he's he's not alone that. Your mother is still watching out from but i think it's funny how like the, some of the comments she was making you know, like she always spilled something on a shirt like i'm guessing was your dad like that <laughs> yeah. guy that like things yeah. just always end up on a shirt <laughs> yep <laughs> that's dad that's so <laughs> he's funny. gonna hate me for saying that <laughs> that's so funny but that's what i love about these dreams like i would never know that about your family but now i do like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so many little things that are so distinct to you and your yeah. relationship and your family that it's so beautiful and even her motherly guilt i love how you said that right like yeah yeah always <laughs> the yeah that's so it's so cute and so adorable and you're like well, i'm 35 but just looking <laughs> yeah. back on that it makes, smile, it makes me smile a lot right just i'm like yeah. wow what a caring mother and just like she's just so used to that that's how she felt like she could love you the most is through food yeah and feeding you. and i guess as a mom <laughs> you know that that's what happens but then you grow up right and like whatever happens Whatever happened to those skills that she was, you know, so good at, you know, I guess now it goes to hugging and that's what you were saying in your, your other dream. It's it's more about yeah, the, the sure. hugs now and, and telling you. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. It was, um, you know, it was interesting because I similarly had just, I guess, yeah, another dream that I think you might find interesting was there was, there was a couple. There was one which was me and my brother, we were children. So I'm I'm walking with my brother, playing with my brother um, as kids, and we're playing, and we just we're kind of following my parents, who are again younger versions of themselves, walking through this incredible. I want to say like it almost looked like a magical rainforest, like you could feel the humidity, but the 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 you could feel like that kind of humidity but the freshness from the so much like foliage and greenery around us and just like the light how it kind of the sun shone through like the trees and almost creates like a rainbow effect like we're kind of walking through this magical magical place but me and my brother's kids and we're playing and following my parents and I woke up from that dream just so just so happy because it was just such a it was such a beautiful dream like if it was a painting it would be the most magnificent painting (laughs) but what was really interesting about that is we we you know we like I think I said earlier we planned a trip to Malaysia with with mum and we 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 did it still we still went it was my dad and my brother and my husband and we took a journey to a little adventure to Sepalok, which is this jungle in Borneo. And what was really interesting is as we were walking through this incredibly beautiful, very hot <laughs> jungle, where we actually went to see orangutans. It was an orangutan sanctuary. It was just like the dream. And it was only as we were walking through, I was like, gosh, this is exactly like the dream that I had. And I just thought that was quite interesting because, again, it it reflected real life and 
it was just kind of weird and magical how, how that happened. Yeah, that is so interesting. And like colors, like the vibrant colors you're talking about. Like, I don't know if I've yeah. like anything like that personally. And so it's like, it's, it's very unique to you. And I'm guessing colors are a big thing in fashion world that those like that means something really to you and it's so weird you're a, a child like that's like out of all the things yeah. like you're a child that's, like... that's the thing that I think I found most interesting because I am a child and I'm playing with my little brother and we're, we're actually playing and <laughs> and I'm kind of I, I, I like to sort of talk when I was a kid so I was sort of walking around talking nonsense and kind of playing with him and just you know, running around like a monkey and um, and just, and, and that was my mum's actually, that was my mum's nickname for me, it was her cheeky monkey. So she would always, like up until, until now, she used to call me, she used to answer the phone and, and call me her cheeky monkey or her little munchkin. And I'm like, gosh, I'm 32, but yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but it just, yeah, it was, that that was actually quite um that was quite peculiar to me but also really beautiful because there was like an innocence about about that time that um yeah it was really comforting as well see i thought you might enjoy that one (laughs) yeah you have all sorts of very interesting different ones too i'm curious if you're going to have a dream where you're going to be either the same age as your mom or older than your mom in the future as you age you're 32 yeah. now and you said like yeah. she comes younger i wonder if like as you move forward if she'll remain i guess she was around 40 or 50 in, the, in those dreams well yeah i so actually so she was she was 60 when she passed so she just had her 60th birthday and she yeah she had a 60th birthday a month less than a uh, you know what a few weeks before which I didn't even realize when I was talking to, I'm talking to you um so in the dream most of the dreams that I'm having she's around she's actually around sort of 35 40 mark yeah um and 35 I feel like was a prime age for her like I just I really remember I have so many memories when she was 35 and I have I couldn't tell you why <laughs> Um, but I just really remember that as, as a, as a kid and always just thought she was just so beautiful and around that age, cause she, just the makeup she wore and all of that. I mean, she was always beautiful, but that particular age really sticks in mind. And I guess that's the kind of, yeah, 35 to 40 is kind of around the age that she's, yeah, appearing appearing in my dreams do you think yeah you're really do you think it'll be weird when you uh let's say when you're 50 and you have a dream of her when she's 35 i mean yeah i'm sure but then (laughs) but then no but but then no maybe because that's how i remember her right and that's like my memory my memories of her are that age and so yes and no I'm sure it'd be quite strange when I'm sort of 60 (laughs) you know thinking of her at 30 but no I think because I have such amazing memories of her at that age like that's how she's forever going to be be with me you know and so yes and no Oh, that's wild. Wow. So I'm glad you continue to have these dreams and they're very comforting to you. 
Um, there's uh, one question we like to ask at the end of our podcast, and mm -hmm. that is, if you could have a dream tonight of your mom, what would that dream look like to you? I think, you know, it's something I actually think about often. Um, I think what you hope from a dream about the person that you love that's passed is words, words of comfort. So telling telling me it's all going to be okay and that everyone's, you know, everyone's going to be okay, my dad, my brother, that I'm going to be okay, <laughs> selfishly, and that, you know, I'm doing the right thing and in, in life, I guess, and I'm going the right direction and not to worry about anything. Because I think, that's the thing I miss about my mum is that she was such a comfort to me. So, you know, I, anything, whether it be relationships, work, friends, anything, if I ever had a stress with anything, she was such a comfort to me and, and always, always understood me, always gave me great advice, always, you know, it's still you know the only person I think that really truly understood me and like loved me um, and I have so many people that you know love me I, or know, understand you <laughs> yeah yeah I definitely do because I'm so lucky with the friends and family I have I really really am so I'm not <laughs> just <laughs> yeah ignoring them but there's a, there's a difference with the motherly love there's a connection you have with your mother that she just really, I just felt so much love, unconditional just love from her. And so the advice and support she would give me daily was just such a comfort to me. And I, rely, I really relied on that. And whether it was like a few words just to say it's going to be okay, it was that reassurance that I got from her that she was the only person I think that has ever given me like reassurance it's gonna be fine <laughs> um you know my dad does well my dad's amazing at it, it was, i guess it was just different with my mum um i don't know if it's because they're both girls as well i don't know um but there was yeah a reassurance and a comfort from her that i miss so if i could have a dream with her giving me that reassurance through words or action I think that would just mean so much to me because I could hold on to that you know as I continue my journey and yeah I think to answer your question it would be that <laughs> I like that and I think it points to the fact too that you know when, when someone dies it's not just that they're gone but there's these other like losses that they're so mm. implemented and you're you know living the life in a positive way like they said like she gave you support. She was the one you would go to for support when you're feeling a little off. And I think that's beautiful. You had that. And yeah. those are, you know, those are the people that, you know, when, you know, they do die, it affects us so much because now we're almost left on our own. And you said like you have friends and you have other family, but it's still not the same because there's something that you trusted in her more mm -hmm. than almost yourself in a way because she knew you so well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't so, agree more. <laughs> so where'd, uh, what place? You could be any place in uh, the universe. <laughs> where would you want this uh, dream to take place? 
I mean, definitely on a tropical beach somewhere oh, because that's yeah. what I feel <laughs> most time. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> that would be. I I do feel. Um, my mum would always tell me to ground myself. Um, she always said that, you know, I I must I need grounding because I think because of the jobs that I do and the lifestyle that I lead and you know it's, there's so much stress and late nights and all of that that she would always say you need to ground yourself but I never really connected necessarily she would always say oh you should garden but there's there's not much room to garden in New York so <laughs> I've never kind of really that never really appealed to me but whenever I'm on in the sea or on the beach and lying in the sun like that to me just feels so so grounding just like having my feet on the sand and being, listening to the ocean and the salt water is really, really grounding to me. So jokes aside, um, I think that would, that would be pretty nice for me. Um, yeah, it would have a lot of, I think, meaning behind it. I like that. No, that's nice. And then, so she's wearing white. What are you wearing? Mm -hmm. And do you have a color? In mind? Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It didn't. It's funny because whenever I dream of myself, I never. I guess most people don't. I don't know. I never see myself. If that makes sense. I I, I only am seeing it through the eyes of me. What colour would I wear? I don't know. I would be wearing gold of some sort though, because I love gold jewellery. So I guess that's sort of the signature thing that I wear every day is some type of gold jewelry so we'll stick that's, with that <laughs> all right cool that's cool what a cool dream <laughs> <laughs> let's hope i have it now yeah if you do you have to let me know for sure oh my god for sure <laughs> <laughs> and so just wrapping up the podcast now once again where can people find you if they want to share their story or check out your your post and maybe even just thank you for you know, yeah i mean definitely um you can, I think the, probably the best way is check out at Love Lost Light and you can just direct message me on there and yeah, follow my post if you like, you don't have to. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'd love to hear people's stories or if this has helped in some way or yeah, just sharing their stories to, to start a conversation. I'd love to, to speak to others who are going through the same thing because um, hopefully I can help them and they can help me maybe, you know, um, so I'm totally open to that. So, yeah. I like that. Cause yeah, we're all doing this together. And as I said, like I learn a lot just from your stories about oh, all yeah. different things that I haven't really thought of. And so I'm guessing the more people you talk to the maybe different, you know, tips or different things you'll talk about on your posts, which is, For uh, sure. which is great. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'd love to, I mean, one thing I would love to hear and I, I, I love talking to people, and I'd love to hear, yeah, any tips people could give to me that I can also post about. Because, yeah, you know, similarly, I'm still learning. I'm kind of still in this, the beginning stages of this journey. And so I'd totally be open to hearing to hearing other people's stories. And you're right, we're, we're all in this together. So, I, yeah, I really believe strongly in that. Amazing. Well, what a, what a great conversation. This is... <laughs> A lot longer than I thought it would be. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I just checked the clock. Um, so, but like, you have, you're a great storyteller, and you had a lot of very interesting things on your journey that you know. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about. And I know it's going to help you know more people out there 
as they work through their own journey and the dreams they have too and you know even the smells to really you know take a moment mm -hmm. and reflect on those on on that detail of of their love and what that triggers so you know i think this was a beautiful conversation thank you so much for coming on taking the time and say like being vulnerable and opening up a side of your life that you know i say like many people just don't get a chance to hear thank you so much i i really enjoyed that so thank you because i think what you're doing is amazing so yeah thank you for letting me be a part of that all right and just to wrap up uh, with our stuff please check out the griefdreams.ca website for more information on the topic and we have a donation button on there if you want to help us out you can do that uh, also, I have two talks coming up. So I'm going to be in the United States, Arlington, Virginia, on May 26th. There's a TAPS 25th National Military Survival Seminar. I'll be doing two talks there. And then also in Toronto, June 22nd, I'll be doing a workshop. If you want to learn more about how to work with these dreams and you live close to Toronto, that's the place to go. Uh, also, if you have Facebook mm -hmm. and uh, you can join the Grief Dreams Facebook group, you can share your dreams and hear others' dreams on there. Also, Twitter, Instagram, at Grief Dreams as we like to say at the podcast, with love and gratitude from us to you. Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.